It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network, you're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We are brought to you by 7th Elements, and I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, is Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. So, boys, how has your weekend been? Well, it's been quite the eventful week for myself. I had a longtime friend and listener to the show occasionally, Jeremy, get married. So The bearded wonder got married? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Old Kenny Loggins himself. Um, he got married in California. So you talk about an incredibly quick weekend. I had to work Friday, left out Friday afternoon, night ish. We were delayed in Nashville, taking off the tarmac because they had to oil the engine. That, and then on top of it, they weren't getting oxygen to the engine. Something was gone. And I'm like, really? Um, it's going to be one of those flights that I have to get off and get on another plane. Fortunately, they got it taken care of. We got taken off, but it was like an hour and a half delayed. So we don't get into LAX till 11 their time, which is like one our time. Then I still have to pick up the rental. We have to go meet her parents, like uh, his fiance's parents and everything. Then we're starving. So we went and got in and out because you got to do that. Obviously, you're in California. Why not? And then we still had to get to the Airbnb. And this was just the start of the weekend. And obviously, we got like no sleep with all the wedding activities. And immediately I had to get back on a plane and come back home yesterday to be at work this morning. So I'm slightly dead inside. But at the same time, it's great to be home. I get my own bed, my own shower. I got to go to the gym tonight and hockey's playing. We're talking hockey. It's a good night. What about you, Matt? Anything as fun as Daniel did? No, that that sounds way cooler than uh, what was going on in Nashville last week or so. Yeah, for myself, it was just another day of doing some more home renovation projects. So my wife and I decided to tackle the Second bedroom in my house after her mother left, and we spent the entire weekend getting the ceiling down, getting the paint for it. Popcorn? Yeah, getting all the popcorn oh, down. Oh, that's a terrible job. If anyone out there has done it, they know. Oh, it is the worst, but we you know we were smart about it. We had drop cloths down on the, on the floor, took it down, shot vacked it all up, threw the drop cloths away, put more down. And then I spent, I believe it was all Sunday afternoon, sanding that ceiling down so we could prime it. And I had one of those, uh, one of those full-blown general contractor respirator mask on. Ah, Corona-proof. Yeah, it's pretty much had like the Darth Vader sound to it. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a bunch of those. We went to Lowe's when we went to go get this stuff. I asked for a respirator mask, a basic one. I wanted just a basic one put on me. And the guy was like, yeah, we don't have them. They've been sold out for like two weeks. Yeah. And he said, and the sad thing is, he said, the people don't realize they don't do anything for you. He's like, they're not antiviral. Yeah. So I was like, well, what do you have left? And he's like, well, we've got the contractor version left. For like 30 bucks. I'm like, well, Why you know not? what? Why not? I need one of those anyway for other things, so we'll take it. And I actually liked it. And I'm sure it's way better than the, the cheap five, ten dollar one. So yeah, you you'll actually be able to reuse that. You can get reusable filters and stuff. Yeah, the problem with the basic mask was is we had three of them and we lost count of which ones we had used. Oh. So we weren't sure which ones had the dust on it. So it's kind of like, well, I don't want to be breathing in more of this texture sealing material. 
I will say that was safer than what I alluded to is Nashville's had kind of a crazy week here recently, a very dangerous situation where we had a tornado actually come through Nashville and uh, kind of rampage the city. So that's been uh, what's been going on here locally. Yeah, that was something my wife had never experienced before. So she was a little freaked about it because up in Canada, they don't have that. So no. Monday night, <laughs> about 1030 night, we're sitting there and she's like, are we going to be okay? I was like, I'm, we're going to be fine. I checked the weather out. Everything seemed to be okay. And I was like, yeah, I was like, go to bed. I said, I'll keep track of it. No, it's not okay. And about like 1130, 12, 12 yeah. all the warnings start going off. And there's a Twitter account I follow on my personal account called Nashville Severe Weather X. And they were basically like 24-7 nonstop when it comes to severe weather action. And they had the writer up showing the hook. And at the moment, they were like, there's a wide rotation, but not wide enough for a tornado. And within five minutes, they said the rotation basically just tightened up and dropped and went on like a 50-mile tear through the west side of downtown Nashville, through downtown into East Nashville, and then all the way over into Wilson County, Mount Juliet. Yeah, they said we haven't had a long-tracking tornado like this in roughly 100 years. And then, of course, as that little cell kept going through, it kept getting stronger and stronger every time it regenerated. So by the time it got to Putnam County, it was like an EF4 again, which the last time we had an EF4 was right down the street from where I'm currently <laughs> talking from. And that was the Good Friday tornado that came right through Murfreesboro. So uh, that was a little closer to home for me. Uh, fortunately, here in Murfreesboro, we didn't have much of anything other than lightning and some strong wind, straight line winds anyways. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad, the scene. Uh, I know some of my favorite places in Nashville are actually destroyed now. Was it one uh, of them like the soda parlor? Soda parlor, Burger Up, Basement East, that whole area uh, got hit really hard. So um, it's it's been a tough week for Nashville, for sure. Um, but once again, it's funny because you, you always hear about the volunteer state, but when something happens, it truly comes out because the city really rallied around each other and a, uh, basically the entire country did because every music star from east to west was either tweeting or you know sending out a a thing on instagram or redirecting everyone to ways that they could help in nashville and the response has been absolutely phenomenal i know cookville was one of the places that is dear to me because that's where i'm from originally one thing that just shocked me was that's a small little town you know they've got tennessee tech university there and when i left there about uh 20 years ago they were a small town and they've gotten to be a much bigger town so the fact that this tornado went through Cookville and, you know, there was 25 deaths and 18 of them were in Putnam County alone, that was something that just rocked that neighborhood. I mean, Nashville got so much of the attention, but also people did make sure to let Cookville be known as well that they need help also. And my old pastor from my church in that area took a picture of the Walmart there where there was just crowds of people in the parking lot waiting to help. And the last count I remember, at one point, they said they had like 77 to 80 people they had confirmed missing, and they were able to find all of them. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty scary. I think that was, the graphic was on the news that night, and there was, no joke, like 65 people still missing. And you got to think, once an F4 tornado comes through, you're, you're assuming the worst in these situations. Unfortunately that the, the death toll did not rise above 25 and all those people were found eventually. But um, it, it was honestly a scary situation. But that said, there are plenty of ways that you can get involved and help. Kyle, what are some of those ways? 
the hashtag that's been going out for this is called hashtag Nashville Strong. And the ways you can help is you can donate your time to Hands On Nashville, which they're found at www.hon.org. You can donate money to the NashvillePredators.com slash Nashville Strong. Or you can donate supplies at the Fort Ice Centers. Or you can also purchase a shirt for $20, which is called Nashville Strong, and it goes to the Middle Tennessee Emergency Relief Fund. Now, the one thing I really liked was the response from the league as well, too. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It was, it was absolutely incredible to see how many teams pledged their support for the Predators. And you had the Blackhawks, Dallas Stars, the Florida Panthers, our ECHL affiliate Florida Everblades, St. Louis Blues, our HL affiliate the Milwaukee Admirals, Minnesota Wild, the NHL itself, and Craig and Helen Leopold, who used to be owners of the yeah. Preds, all contribute um, either straight-up donations, they match donations, or they contribute proceeds of the events they were doing that night. Part of it went to the National Strong Fund. But hockey is one of those that they really just seem to come together. And, you know, yes, the Chicago Blackhawks are rivals, the Dallas Stars are rivals, the St. Louis Blues are rivals. But at that moment, it was no longer about rivalry. It was the, these people need help, and we're going to help them. Yeah, I think it was really nice to see a lot of the Preds players getting involved and helping out too. They came back and I, I, it was interesting that several of the players personally, like on their off day, went out, bought supplies and drove to the areas and literally just kept going. Like they, they worked for several hours and it, it wasn't just easy work too. They actually got in and got dirty and got stuff done. And it was incredible seeing the outpouring from them to the community, knowing you know, a lot of these people are probably fans, one, and they really need help. And I'm going to do that on my off day, despite having a game literally the next night. Kudos to the entire Preds organization for their response and to the entire league in general. Um, it, it was phenomenal to watch and to see all the support for Nashville, despite this difficult situation. And like we said earlier, we gave some examples of places you can go to donate your time, money or supplies. You can also find this actual graphic, which talks about this on Nashville Predators Twitter account, or you can find it on the Nashville Predators NHL website as well. Now, another thing that's also been making the news through sports and honestly the world has been the coronavirus outbreak. And we know that that has caused repercussions through a lot of things, especially in the sports world. And the biggest thing of sports related is that the NHL, along with the other leagues, have decided that for the moment to temporarily close locker rooms to players, essential employees, and team facility staffs only until further notice. And the teams are now going to have a designated area for post-game interviews. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see the effect now in the U.S. with the cases on the rise. One thing that has been clearly evident to me is how blown out <laughs> the coverage has been on this, unfortunately. But at the same time, like you have to find this balance where it's like, yeah, it's a new disease going on, but at the same time, like you don't really need to be scared because I mean, like literally, people are running and buying like all the Germex at Sam's. Like you're literally just saying that like they now have a limit at Sam's for Germex. Yeah, because people like, are freaking out. It was soap, hand sanitizer, basic essentials, and I get that people do get fearful in these times, but it's also you've got to be smart about it too. Wash your hands. People are coughing. Don't go around them. Like, I just came from LA, okay? <laughs> like, that was one of the hot spots, and there's only a couple hundred people. But at the same time, I understand the precautions that they're doing to limit the players from being in contact with them. So we'll see how far this goes as to whether or not 
eventually games are played without people. I know in Italy, actually, they're having a soccer game uh, without fans right now, which is, I would love to just watch that just to see what it looks like, because it probably looks like a scrimmage match, honestly. And we might have to resort to that in several areas. I think uh, San Jose is being monitored for one of those spots now. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what it has an effect on the league as well, as far as the games being played. It's unfortunate that we kind of, that this, you know, stuff has bled into the league. It's unfortunate that we have to deal with the stuff in real life, but now it is to the point that, you know, you mentioned San Jose, their county has mandated that they can't have any meetings that are over a thousand people. So they've told the Sharks, you guys are either going to have to play the rest of your games in another arena or have no fans in the arena or possibly play uh, at a reschedule and play at a different time. So it's it's really affecting the hockey world as well, as much as uh, we try not to talk about that kind of stuff. But uh, it's affecting hockey too. So They did say that if they do play games without fans in attendance, for example, the Preds are going to be in Columbus this week. And the governor of Columbus has talked about you know the idea of possibility of doing something similar that Santa Clara County did. But the Blue Jackets say they're going to go ahead and do their game with fans in attendance. Somebody at work day was like, well, do you think we could see an increase in penalties? Because usually the players mouth off to the refs because of all the crowd noise. And now all of a sudden it's going to be habit. They're just going to mouth off yeah. to the refs. And the refs are going to be like, what'd you say? That's in the box. There's going to be penalties all night long. Though it would make for like, I would love to just watch one or two games like on TV yeah, with a broadcast. A, I saw a clip of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, a soccer player, walking down the tunnel and had his hand out like he was giving uh, fans high fives, but That's there was so nobody good. there. He was just, he was just, Air five and everybody's who went by. It was That's pretty funny. That's so good. <laughs> He's like, yep, I'm here. And he's still probably making, what, 100 million a year. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's whatever. <clears throat> so, uh, now that we've been to Debbie Downer, let's go ahead and talk some more hockey, something a little bit more positive. They had a Board of Governors meeting recently. Uh, one of the hot topic issues was the emergency backup goalie situation, which we had previously discussed as, as it was a bit of a firestorm in the league since it happened to Toronto. But the... Board of Governors has decided that they are happy with the the way it is. It's it's working as intended, so they don't foresee any change in that process currently. Well, I knew that was going to be the case. Toronto got embarrassed on their home eyes, yep. and they pitched a fit, and the league basically had common sense and said, you know what, guys? This works just fine. Toronto, you're not that special. Because Toronto always seems to be that kid that's like, I want my way all the time. Forget the rest of the league. It happened to me. It's got to be changing now. And so I was glad to see the league go, you know what, man? Just calm down. It's okay. Yeah. You, you had to think that that was going to happen with it being right down the street. And people, I mean, it's a, it's a good hockey town. What can I say? But at the same time, the league did sit down, rationally think it through, and came to the right conclusion. This is the way it's going to be, at least for now. Talk about it in the off season, whatever. Well, it, it will get brought up again once this happens, but it is, it's such a rare occurrence that I don't see the need for an immediate change. You know yeah, what like I mean? It's, like, it's a small fry it's, issue. It's a very ticky-tack thing. So let's just leave it as is and continue on. No one else will probably can complain for at least another three to four years till this happens again because it only happens every so often yeah i saw from twitter one of the hockey people were saying i forget which team it was apparently some famous baseball player he anyway he's some professional athlete he is going to be the emergency backup goalie for some team tonight because he has dream he grew up in montreal or something and his dream was to always be in the crease in the nhl and he played in uh, mlb or whatever 
So it's it's such a laughable matter. It's not, it's irrelevant to the fact that they're having a non hockey player. He he played a different sport. He's not even a goalie. He is going to be the emergency backup goalie. I also want to point out that Carolina's reaction was like, "Bro, if you let ten goals in, it's fine." But but like they know if you're getting in an emergency goalie, it's an emergency. It's an emergency for a reason. <laughs> like I mean, like let's be honest, people. Let's just think it out. So I I think this is the right course of action. So. A couple more things they discuss at this Board of Governors meeting uh, get a little more controversial as we go. This one, it was about cross-checking, and they discussed whether the current officiating standards reflect the way that the GMs want the game to be called. And from what I heard, that there wasn't going to be any major change currently, but they were considering how the rules are, what's on the books, and not just what's on the books, but what are the refs calling because it's important to have a same standard across the board and what is it the representation that the GMs want that to be how they want it to be dealt with in the league. So from my understanding, they're kind of cool with it as it is, but that was that was a topic of conversation. And finally the big the, the big one which was the offsides rule, it appears that after 3 years of having discussion around this issue, uh, the NHL will finally they have voted to amend the rule. They are going to change to a skate in the air or breaking the plane uh, rule, which is expected to be part of the change. Apparently, the competition committee has to approve this, but the GMs have already voted it, so it's it's very likely to pass. So, does that mean if their skate is above the plane or breaks the plane, they're no longer offsides, or are they offsides? I, I think there's going to be a video for clarification from the league, yeah, to show exactly because I, I was thinking the same thing myself and I, like I in my mind there were several iterations of this and I'm trying to like imagine the player doing it and I'm like okay I just need a graphic like th- they'll pull out one eventually but I, I mean it'll be interesting to see how it actually changes in the game play when people are at full speed too so what I'm waiting for is when this rule change comes into effect on the like game winning goal for somebody's team. I'm kind of, I think we're all kind of excited to see how it's going to happen. It has been a sore subject in the league for years now. So I'm glad to see that it's getting some kind of change. I don't care. Even if it's a bad change, we just need to be open to the idea of trying to change it because it currently stinks. So they said it's going to mimic the way football does theirs, which I don't speak football. So whatever. Yeah. Like I said, I need a video. So we'll, we'll see the final ruling and how that looks uh, once it's implemented. But uh, I'm all for seeing a new rule for that. So the other thing I'll mention real quick is that the salary cap uh, topic of conversation, the salary cap is currently at 81.5 mil, and it's supposed to jump between 84 and 88 million. So potentially about a $6 million increase is quite a substantial jump. Usually every year it's two or three mil or something, if I can remember correctly. But so to potentially go five, it should be potentially six, more likely four or five. That's still a pretty large jump in in salary cap. So it's going to be very helpful for teams that are hurting on the cap. Yeah, Uh, it's interesting in general because the league's been doing really well (laughs) here recently. Um, So you're starting to see salaries on the rise and you're starting to see that cap get a little bigger every single year i mean we're not near nfl numbers let's oh, just no, be, we let's won't just be, on, be honest but at the same time it is nice to see that we are moving and progressing quite well because the, the league's been doing just okay i mean you see players like their contract comes up for renewal and they're jumping like three to four million dollars more than they were making 
and then the team's all of a sudden hurting for cap space. I mean, look at the Preds. All the money we have in our cap space, and we're actually hurting a little bit for cap space at this time. So, you know, a four to five million dollar increase would help us out quite a bit. Yeah, I, and considering a lot of our contracts are long term right now, that would actually really help us out because then we could go out and get another player and potentially be set for a, several years. And you might not have like obviously the best team, but you're going to have a very competitive team at least four or five years in the making. So uh, that I would be all for that. Uh, especially for the Preds position and where we're at currently. Well, before we get into the Preds, did you see the news that Jim Little got fired? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy has been around for what, not even two months? Yeah, he was still on probation, basically, I mean, in, I, in Ottawa. I love what it said. It said, on Valentine's Day, the owner and I had a personal disagreement. This is Jim Little. He said, I am a strong-willed person, and the disagreement included me using some very strong language with him over the phone, including swearing. I, well, thought, I thought that was implied when he said using <laughs> using for some very strong language, and then he had to put including swearing at the end. Yeah. But I, I just I thought it was implied. Yeah, but it's a nice gesture. Well, we were talking about this in our group text the other day when it came out. And what was it you, Matt? You gave like three different options. And we we're kind of like, well, you know what? The swearing was probably <laughs> not the problem in this issue. Yeah. In our group message, I kind of hype speculated as to what really the situation is between him and Eugene Melnick. I said either Melnick is kind of like a sissy and doesn't like, you know, couldn't take the harsh criticism, so he had to get him out of here, or B, Melnick is really a hard A and isn't going to let anybody talk to him like that, anybody curse him out, or C, Melnick has been a lifelong professional businessman, and that is extremely not decorum behavior from a guy who was still on a probationary period in his organization. So I think that's pretty interesting to speculate. But regardless of the situation, I think, you know, Jim Little said it was because he was in a 10 minute long, you know, yelling match and ended up cussing Melnick. But I think it was Melnick or some reporters on Twitter, hockey reporters come out and said that Melnick said it was because Jim Little told him that the best thing that could happen to the senators is if you disappeared for 12 months. <laughs> so, well, is he wrong? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> So apparently, I think that's what tipped the uh, the scales over. It wasn't the strong language. It was uh, it was the diss. So what you're saying is Melnick couldn't handle the truth. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Kyle. I don't know. You've been but, waiting all night for that one. I don't know. I'll have to say, though, you know, it's probably not great to yell and criticize and the owner. The owner. <laughs> and especially when you've been there for a very short period of time, you're still on the probationary period. So I have to say that that was the right call. You can call him a whatever you want. I don't know the inner workings of the front office, but that was the right call for uh, Melnick to make. Yeah, I mean, if if I were in a work environment and I did that to my boss, I would not be there very quick. Like, yeah. I, I'd be out the door. So well, I wouldn't I mean, be that, either. That's just, but it makes you wonder, like, if he's telling the owner that, how much dysfunction is actually in that front office? It's chaos. It's I mean, have you a, seen, it's been a dumpster fire for two, three yeah, years now. That's just a reflection of how Ottawa's been lately. And I think that Jim Little actually was trying to be helpful and that was probably the nicest thing he could say to Eugene Melnick without resorting to anything harsher simply saying it might be better if you leave but who knows I mean this goes back to an episode that we had where we started talking about all the Ottawa players that have been traded and how well they've done Elsewhere. since been being traded and it I was think it was like, like 
Every th- single one of them. Three or four were leading like their teams. Had or more points. Yeah. Including Kyle. This is when Kyle Turse was smoking hot. Still, but Kyle Turse is still getting good production. Like still like, you know, whatever, decent production. Like blows my mind. They got rid of that entire team and literally those players are all stars everywhere else. So it, obviously the system is completely broken. They just need to clean everything out and just start fresh in Ottawa. Well, they have one thing working for them as we move, move over to the Preds and that is they are in the playoff race, at least, because Detroit's not. Oh. Yes, thank you. I mean, to be fair, Detroit is pretty special for basically getting out of the playoffs in February. Well, hey, I will say one good note is we had the other night two players that had four points in a game, and that's the first time that's happened since 2014. That's been five Whoa. years. What? Yeah. It's been five Five years, years since... <laughs> I didn't write it down who it was, but yeah, it's been five years since that happened. So that's at least a step in the right direction, boys. I don't know. But didn't they finally get their first like back-to-back win this year? Uh, yeah. The second time. Second time, yeah, I think second it was. Time. And they also did you a favor by whooping up on, who was it, Chicago or Montreal, something. They, they helped you guys out in the standings by beating somebody that was ahead of y'all the other day. Congratulations. Yeah. Have you seen Take Jimmy Howard's numbers, though? It's bad. Yeah. I was actually watching a different team this year. I mean, are you surprised? No. I was watching the numbers, uh, or the, I was actually watching the Red Wings game the other night, and the numbers came up on the screen for him, and I was like, "Yeah, that's a that's a dark place for your mind to be." <laughs> yeah, it's it's brutal. I mean, granted, his team in front of him is not doing anything, so that also doesn't help. But you know, what's their goal differential right now? You you know it off the top of your head? No, I, I tried to not look that gotta way. It's got to be pretty bad. Oh, it's it's um stellar. Minus 119. So, yeah, it, it's pretty bad. Back it up, boys. Tell your mom, pull a car around. <laughs> get your silver, <laughs> get your silver, silver polish. polish out, McElroy, because <laughs> I don't think actually you're going to be in silver contention for a long time. Sorry, Matt. It'll be at least two or three more years. But once those contracts drop off, you'll be looking... Towards brighter days, maybe you you get a cap increase too. Like yeah, we just talking help. about that'll cap help. increase, drop those salaries off in two years. My boy Stevie Wonder Eisman <laughs> will work us a miracle. Maybe I I think he's going to do just fine there. Just Red Wings fans need to be patient because it's it's just going to take some time for him to work his magic. Look what he did in Tampa. So, but you know he's got his work cut out for him in Detroit. But the question I want to ask is, do you think David Poyle is going to do anything to the Preds if they don't make the playoffs? Because right now. It's a 50-50 coin toss if they're going to make it or not. Yeah, I mean, we're completely up in the air. We have 14 games left, and honestly, it feels like playoff hockey is almost starting right now for a lot of these teams, and not just the Preds. There's there's like five teams in contention for two spots right now, and it's going to be a bloodbath the, the last week. That's how it always is. Freaking pull your hair out, stress, high blood pressure. Oh, man. I mean, right now, we've got 68 games played. We're playing game 69 tonight, and so we're at 76 points. We are sixth in our division, so we're barely hanging on. We're 10th in the conference, and we're 21st overall in the league. And, you know, we're just right above 500 hockey at 34 wins, 26 losses, and eight overtime um, points. Yeah, yeah, but the you know the crazy thing is, and Kyle and I were chatting on IM today. So, get this. If the Preds win tonight, Matt, and the Stars lose... We are four points behind the stars for third in the central. What? <laughs> because 
we have back to back, and we'll get into it, back to back shutouts against the Stars, which was a huge swing. Yeah, yeah, huge freaking swing. I can't believe it. But I literally, I, I didn't even realize that till I checked it today, and I'm like, is that right? Like, if we win tonight and the Stars lose, we are four points behind them, like totally within striking distance for third. Yet somehow we're not even in a playoff spot right now. Yeah. So what I'm just noticing as I'm looking it up. You guys are only two points back of the first wild card spot in the West, despite sitting currently two points or uh, two places back. Currently fourth in the wild card race in the West, but that's only two points back of first. That's that's very tight. But as I said, a win tonight and a loss for the Stars, and we're four points behind third in the Central, though. <laughs> yeah, and it's looking pretty good currently. The Preds, as we record, are up two nil on the on the Habs. They are. So that, so that could least, go a long way. Yes, well, that, um, that would get us into a, a playoff spot again tonight. But let, let's just say the Preds pull the win out. That would put us at 78 points. So look at, look at these teams all around the line here. So the, the Calgary Flames have played 70 games. So they're two games further than the Preds right now at 79 points. Winnipeg Jets, 70 games, 78. Wild, 69 games, 77. Vancouver, 68-76. Nashville, 68-76. Arizona, 70-74. Arizona slacked off a little bit here recently. They were actually further up into the... They were actually leading the division, which is really sad. They've completely fallen flat on their face after acquiring Taylor Hall. So, not too good as far as the look for the Coyotes, especially having played two more games. So they're kind of more or less on the outside looking in, but anything can happen. They could get hot again. But all those teams right there, I mean, you're talking five, six teams on the brink fighting for two spots. It is going to be a bloodbath. And the Preds play Winnipeg, Arizona, and the Wild twice with the final game of the year being against the Wild. So you might as well just circle that one as a playoff game. Gosh, dude, that's it's so stressful. <clears throat> I'm getting high blood pressure just thinking about it. This is this is why I hate when this happens. I like to live a stress-free life, and this kind of <laughs> crap makes me lose what little hair I've got left because it's coming down the wire. You guys screw around all year, but look at here. Here comes last week. You got UC Soros back to back. You got Baby. your team. He comes. He's just carrying them. He's got to go to the chiropractor after this week. <laughs> get an adjustment for carrying the team because. Mm. All I, all I know is if you guys make the playoffs, it better be UC Soros. I don't want to see any this Rene crap. You guys screwed around last year and put Rene in that when it should have been Soros' crease in the playoffs, and I better not see Rene in the net uh, come this playoffs if it happens. Strong words from the Red Wings fan. Yeah. I mean, Soros has been the hot goalie. He's been the hot goalie all year, bro. Yeah, he's got right now, as of tonight's game, he had a 93.68 percentage compared to Rene's 88.8%. Yeah, it, it, it's... And the crazy part is, Charos got hosed the first couple of games that he was in. So his stats look way worse just because of November and December. Since January, he's been one of the best in the league. Yes. I look mean, at, it's here's literally the chart one of the of his, best in the league. Of his uh, goal save versus goals expected. He's in the top of the league, basically. He went from down, way down low, to now he's in the very top, just about. His trending is, is very high currently in the last two weeks. Yeah, I honestly think he's up there with Hellebrook now. Yeah. Like, it, it's impressive. And this is the and time. And this lines up with what I was saying, is November and December, the team was playing extremely poor, remember, yeah. in front of him. And then all of a sudden, like, you start getting decent defense, and then he gets hot. He has been on 
fire here and recently. it comes at quite a good time, especially, and I have to say, sorry to make a, a light of a bad situation, but with the tornado that came through Nashville, Nashville rallied, got a W that night. That was and a I, big game. That was a big game for like the, uh, the mentality of the Nashville uh, players in the Nashville area. They needed that win. <clears throat> and I think, honestly, that is the type of event that can rally a city and rally a team behind and they want to put the team put the uh, city on their back and rally and and give them a type of surge to get in the playoffs here and i think it's showing evident in uc soros's play lately you do kind of have that in the back of your mind something like this happens and it kind of galvanizes a city or a fan base because we've been talking about all year the preds have played terrible at home i mean it has not been like you know no it's not been the it, arena it's of not old. been the arena like 2017 dude that arena was rocking I was there for the playoff run, for that Stanley Cup run. There is, might not be anything more magical than that run again. But at the same time, something like this where you galvanize the team and then all of a sudden you start pushing towards the playoffs. You get hot and then you make it in the playoffs. We've said it before. You just make it into the playoffs. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Look at last year. Columbus swept the President Trophy almost season-setting record of most games ever, Tampa Bay Lightning swept them in the first round. Who would have thought that? Not this guy, because I definitely had the Lightning going further and actually winning the cup in my bracket. So, uh, I mean, that it, you just got to get to the playoffs and anything can happen. But it seems like one of those situations where it's like, uh, no pun intended, the perfect storm is coming together where something like this happens. Everyone's finally unified and you're starting to see good chemistry finally. And dude, you make the playoffs. And I guarantee you the city will respond. And that game, as Matt said, you get the big W at home after the disaster. And it felt like almost like a playoff game. I watched it live. There was standing O's. Everything you wanted and you didn't have earlier in the year because you were terrible at home, you have now. And, you know, not just Soros, but we saw Forsberg get a goal against Dallas. Duchesne get a goal against Dallas. Speaking of that, uh, Forsberg just scored a power play goal. See, this is the kind of people I need to be on the scoreboard right here. Uh, by the way, the people that have scored tonight, it's now 3-0 Predators. It's Ryan Johansson, Callie Yarncroft, and Forsberg. And those are the players that you need to get hot. And that was the biggest complaint that we had so far this season was that the big money players that we had were not getting hot. Uh, by the way, the two assists on the first goal is called Forsberg and Arvidsson. That is a Joe line goal. How long has it been since we could say that? And here's the last time. Uh, when's the last time you heard this? The Predators have now scored on the power play in four consecutive games. It's Mine. all coming back. It's all, <laughs> it's, I love it when the a plan comes The pieces are in, all fitting it's coming, in, baby. Look, I got a puzzle. Look, there's a puzzle. Matt got onto me. He gets in our room up here and there's a puzzle here. And he's like, you haven't worked on it. Did I have a puzzled look on my face? I, I've, been, I've been busy the last two weeks. Well, guess what? Much like the Predators, it's all starting to come together, baby, right now. So we'll, we'll see, but uh, I'm, I'm impressed with the power play actually here recently. They're actually getting decent chances. So, But here's the question, though. Out of all the success, are we seeing the end of Pecorine? I mean, because if you look back at the Edmonton game, he gave up a career-worst eight yeah, goals, did. and that was just a nasty game. And, and two of them, if, I'm, if I go back and look at the game, there was two that I'm like, Ooh, you got to have that one. And that was the first and the third dry title goal. And there was one that was almost like at the goal yeah, line under was, the arm. That was the third one. Oh. That was the third one that was bad. Granted, at that point, it looked like literally the defense had just like crumbled 
in front of him. And it, I mean, people were just skating right up the gut at this point. And it, it was bad. It was very bad. That was a humiliating loss. I think even Coach Himes said that. It was just humiliating. I had to pull the plug. Just uh, everyone on my ice was bleeding. <laughs> I mean, it did not look good for anyone out there. And uh, in a way, it felt like, oh, is this the, the torch being passed? And then what's crazy is right after this, Saros comes out and starts just swinging away. Like, I mean, swinging for the fences. He actually played incredibly well uh, against the... The, the avalanche where we got the loss with the controversy of the whole goalie interference. Everyone was very upset about that, but he, he played well in that game. So I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Like, cause he, he plays well, Pet gets completely destroyed. Then you bring him back out there and he's started ever since. I mean, he's starting tonight and currently by the way, has a shutout going. Well, I mean to not <laughs> jinx it or anything, but since late January, Saros has played uh, 16 games, and Reeves only played six. And beginning of the year, I said I would like to see more of a 50-50 split. I thought realistically it was going to be kind of like a 70% Rene, 30% Saros, but they've almost played exactly the same amount of games. Well, here's the thing. You know, it comes in swings and fluctuations. You know, Rene's going to be hot. Saros is going to be hot. I think the key is noticing it when it happens and making the right call. Right now, it's obviously Soros' crease. So adjust accordingly. So maybe this time you'll see Rene take a back seat for the remainder of the year and into the playoffs. And that's okay because currently that's where it sits. Now, usually Pecorino is pretty good during the season. He's not so great in the playoffs lately. So another reason, let Soros have his turn in, in the playoffs because that's where he's hot. Now, maybe next year it'll flip again and, and, and Rene might find his crease but I think you are starting to see that decline. We knew it was it was going to catch up to him, and, and he got real lucky, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, won the Vesna, and and even that was a bit of a stretch because you're he's older, he's kind of on the back end of his career, so it might be catching up to him a little bit now, and and that's okay because at least you got a backup goalie that's willing to step in the crease and and put the team on his shoulders. Well, as of tonight, Soros has played thirty nine games and Pex has played thirty six, so. We were talking about 50-50 eventually. It's looking like the season is going to end at a 60-40 with Soros. That's crazy to me, if you think about it. It's just going to be interesting, though, because if you look at Cat Friendly, it shows that Rene is on contract until the end of 21. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have, we have him totally locked down for next season as well. So would next season be the first time ever that... Saros starts the season as the main number one goalie and Rene transitions permanently into a backup goalie. I, I think don't that's think too you make soon. It, yeah. I don't think you make the decision right now. And I think this goes back to what Matt was saying is you ride the hot hand. One thing that Lavi was bad about is he relied on Pekka a lot. And then when a goalie started doing bad, he just pulled him. That was Lavi's response to a game. I, I never totally agreed with everything that Lavi did, even though he was a phenomenal coach. That said, he definitely was a P.E.K.K.A. fan. The fact that we're now seeing kind of like this shift, it, I, I think it's a mentality difference in Himes because he realizes that Saros is the hottest one, so he's going to play him until basically he's proven otherwise. And honestly, if Saros gets hosed one game and gets pulled and then P.E.K.K.A. comes in and P.E.K.K.'s really hot, guess who's starting the next game? Pecorine. He, I think Hines is literally going by whoever's the hottest one. So that's, that's the way it, it should be. 
oftentimes this particular mentality, I think it's like an old school livelihood might be representative of this, is when you get in the playoffs, you must start the primary goalie. I don't care if your backup is being hot or not. The way of the old school is start the guy who has the reputation, who earns the money, who's the primary goalie. But you've seen in the past where that has absolutely buried teams in the playoffs. And I think John Hines won't be subject to this. He will play the hot hand, which is what should be. Screw the respect factor of the guy who's being paid, what, five or six million dollars. Yeah, that kind of sucks that you're benching a guy that's worth that much money. But what do you want? Do you want a guy to win the game or do you want the guy who's supposed to be in net? I'd like the guy that's hot that's going to go out there and get me the W. Or how about this? How about you win a cup? That erases a whole lot of not playing doubt. Yeah. doubt. Like, like if you're sitting over there and you're, you're frustrated because you're not playing, but when you come, so let's say this happens. Say Saros actually starts, becomes the number one starter. We get to the playoffs. We make it in. All of a sudden, you have a smoking hot goaltender. Our power play is working. All your key players are starting to get hot again. Hello. That's all the things you want to start a playoff run. Then, guess what? You're going to have to play your backup every now and then. But Peck comes in fresh. And what if Peck's doing really well in pitching shutouts like we know he can? Now you have two goaltenders that are just destroying in the playoffs. And that is a recipe for winning a cup. And I don't care who you are. If Peck only starts three or four times in the playoffs but wins a cup, Peck's going to lift that cup at the end. He'll be the first one. It'll be Roman Yossi and then Pecorine. Oh, you absolutely. my words. And it's kind of reminiscent even last year in a situation you've got Jordan Bennington being the hot goalie. He's the young guy. And guess what? They won a cup. And Jake Allen was the guy. He was the primary. But they let the young guy who was hot. I don't care how old you are. He let the hot hand play the cup. And then it erases the fact that Jake Allen's supposed to be the guy because you got the right guy at the right time. Jake Allen's name's still engraved on the cup. Exactly. Exactly. Pecorino's name would still be engraved on the cup. Yeah, I mean, when he, it- he'll get a ring. Like, that's, that's what... Peck's done everything at this point. He's one of Vesna. He's the literally, he holds the finish record for most wins for a goaltender. He is the man in Finland. He has done everything really in hockey that he wants to do except win a cup. So if he has to take a little bit of a reprieve this year and let someone hot get in the crease and they end up winning it all, He's not going to care. Also, first of all, Peck is 100% professional about this. He's like the nicest guy ever. And that's basically his son. I mean, like if there's any father or son like tandem in the league, it is those two. That is true. I, I, I mean, you saw. Okay. So after I think it was the second back to back shutout. Peck just comes on the ice and it's just his, his typical big grin, that smile. He's a foot taller than Soros. It doesn't matter. And it's just like, come here, son. Like, it was just a big bro hug on the ice. And you're just like, that's what you want to see in a teammate. Like, Peck's a team player. So even if he is sat down, he is taking it well. And he's going to be there for Soros when he has to be in there. Because when Peck comes in, you better believe Peck's going to be hungry to post a big goose egg on the board, too. So I think this is a really good situation right now for the Preds, despite it not being a popular one. But it's something that does need to be talked about. And, you know, if the game continues, like I said, these guys are watching. I'm not. If we continue and Saros gets his third shutout, I mean. Oh, smoke. I'll, I'll lose it if he gets three shutouts in a row. That'd be, that will be very improbable. But actually, I looked it up. I think the record is five games in a row without a shutout. Boucher, I think, for the Hurricanes. Well, I'll fact check myself later, or I'm sure 
Johnny will fact check me later once true. we get this out. But I'm pretty sure it's like five and a half games. Um, so it would be quite impressive for Young Soros to have three shutouts. And I would love to see or go back into the archives to see when the last time uh, a goaltender did three straight shutouts in a row. I, I don't know if Peck's ever done that. So uh, I'll have to do some digging tonight. So I'm I'm genuinely interested now. Well, shutout or not, at least we have something positive to talk about. Soros has been hot. Got a couple goal scorers, getting some goals. Yeah. So we're trending in the right direction, like you said, Kyle. Yeah, if, if we trend in the right direction, we can make playoffs. It's coming down to a tight wire. But at least I have a little more hope than we had, you know, the last two times we recorded or so. Yeah, because you were down. You were like, no, yeah. I don't think so. But honestly, by your demeanor tonight, I'm actually shocked. Uh, You're I'm a little more positive tonight. Way more positive with, especially because games on hand, we have those. We're winning currently again. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, and the power play coming together, that has been really shocking the last several games. So, as Matt mentioned, that's four games in a row with a power play goal. So, keep that going, guys. So, Matt, as we get ready to close the show up, as I say every week, what kind of milestones we got? We got a couple milestones to talk about. And uh, the first one, a bit of piece of news I'll mention is that my boy Roberto Luongo is the first person that the Florida Panthers had retired his jersey the other day. And uh, that's quite impressive as he's the only goalie in history to have the franchise win record with multiple franchises. Of course, he played for the Panthers for a few years, but most people probably know him for his run in uh, Vancouver. Uh, so that's incredible. He, I believe, is third on the all-times win list behind uh, Marty Berdour and Patrick Waugh. I think Patrick Waugh is first and Marty Berdour, then uh, Roberto Luongo. But regardless, he will be uh, in the Hall of Fame, no doubt. So quite incredible to see another another great guy go down in history and uh, get his name uh, lifted to the rafters. So that's quite quite incredible. I thought it was uh, pretty interesting that, um, if I remember starting right, his jersey is number one. Yeah, I think I heard a stat that was like most of the other teams, like the original sixes, had a number one goalie. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a number one jersey that they've retired or somebody had. But I think this was the first one for the Florida for Florida that they had lifted up. So, or, or, or sorry, uh, it was the first time a non-original six team had honored a number one jersey or something like that stat I heard about. Yeah, I think I've only seen number one for the Preds like one time. Yeah, it's not that common. It's it's kind of cocky, but uh, for a goalie, I think it fits. You know, that's all right. It really should be the goalies get number one and number two. Yeah. And another piece of sad news is that uh, Henri Pocket Rocket Richard passed away the other day. Another freaking hockey icon and legend. And I'm you always know me. He's the man. I get emotional about my hockey greats and the <laughs> hockey gods of old. And uh, this was Rocket Richard's little brother. He was a little bit lesser known, but actually uh, has leads his brother in many stats i think he has more goals than him he played 20 seasons for montreal he won the cup a record 11 freaking times stanley cup 11 times i think that's amazing that's the most rose the cup that's the most in any of the major four sports in america uh is is Henri richard lifting it 11 times i think it said when he him and his brother rocket were like 15 years apart or something something incredible and he was about to retire when Henri came into the league and he was like, no, I'll stay a few years and play with you. And I think it said that they lifted the cup five years in a row, the first five, five years they played years together. That's amazing. When you want to know a little fun fact about this, I didn't know. Uh, Pocket Richard did not intend to be a hockey player. He wanted to be a plumber. 
I heard that. Good, yeah. Good decision. <laughs> the plumber. Yeah. Easy Mario. Goodness. Wow. wow. <laughs> and then he ends up winning a lesson. <laughs> what a guy. So unfortunately, the hockey world lost another great, but you know, uh, it got me and my wife talking how we kind of want to go to the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto and see be, some, of, some, some of this stuff, man. So awesome. That would be incredible. So that's on the to-do list, uh, to-do list one day. And of course, a couple milestones we'll mention. Oh my. I will start with Philadelphia Flyers. Carter Hart yes. has been on fire in net for them. And he now is the first goalie in history under the age of 22 to have multiple seven-game win streaks. So... Man, they're just lighting it up. You counted them out earlier, but man, they're on a bit of a streak. And an interesting Nashville stat, uh, Mikael Granlin, I'm sure you guys saw the goal the other day, scores 0.1 seconds left in the game. Yes. And it's incredible. That is now the fourth time in history that a player has scored the game tying goal in the final 10 seconds before going on to win the game in overtime. Only four times that's happened now. So. Pretty interesting stat for Mikael Granlin to be involved in. And my boy Jumbo Joe, I throw this in there, has now another 70-point season. And among active players, that is the most. He has 12 70-point seasons, which is one more than Ovechkin, Crosby, and Malkin, baby. So it's pretty interesting that he's got more 70-point seasons than such perennial highlight names like that so yep. my boy jumbo quick interruption uh forsberg just scored again so now uh, we have four so, zero yeah four to yeah. zero but as you said key players are showing up now that's what i'm talking about and also on the stat sheet is artemi panarin is now the third player in history to post multiple point streaks of 12 or more in uh, the first season with the franchise and the last person to do so was wayne freaking gretzky so pretty good. That's a that's a good stat to have right there. If I'm Panarin, and then of course we have to end with the Ovechkin show. Yes, he's always in the stat sheet. He has now passed uh, Phil Esposito for fifth all time in multi goal games. Yep. And then my favorite stat, I don't know which one you wrote down, Kyle, but I'm going to say the one that I like <laughs> is that Ovechkin. We said it last time is now the eighth member of the 700 goal club, and Ovechkin has scored 50 percent of his regular season goals on the road. So of those eight players in the 700 goal club, Ovechkin has the highest percentage of goals on the road of all eight players. Yeah, he's he's two goals away from another his ninth 50 goal season, and that would tie him uh, with Mike Gartner at 708 for so, seventh sole place. I would I would have to say that stat right there. He has a higher percentage than Wayne Gretzky on the road, which means he's a more dominant scorer on the road than Wayne Gretzky was. We've been telling you these facts, man. It's man, that's <laughs> annoying to hear. But man, that sounds so good. He's Russian. You gotta he, love he's, it. Hey, he's thirty-five from beating Brent Hall. <laughs> that is incredible. You man. can't deny. Man, f- we're living. We're watching legends. It, it's almost like he's, when you watch he will hockey, go down as the greatest goal scorer of all time. It, it, like if he keeps this up, it blows my mind. He's about to hit fifty goals again. If he has marginal numbers, like. 30 goal years, the rest of his career, he is passing Gretzky. I've, I've said it before, you know, we just lost another hockey great, Pocket Rocket, and uh, you're like, oh man, these are these are living legends. I wish I could have seen them in their heyday when they played. And I kind of had this epitome, I've mentioned it before, how I really didn't appreciate Tamu Solani until he retired. Oh my! And then God. I was like, oh my God, this guy is a legend. He's, he's going down in the history books. 
And I didn't really appreciate him. I, I watched him when he played. I liked him. But I really didn't have an understanding of how great he was until he retired. And then I had this epitome, which is I'm watching some of these players that are going to go down in history as the greatest players of all time. So we're watching one of those players now in Ovechkin. And I have to be able to, even though it's kind of it kind of hurts a little bit to hear how the stats he's breaking, we're watching legends go down in history. And we have the opportunity to do it now. So I'm not going to wait till I'm old. To, to appreciate these hockey legends. We're watching history being made, and that's incredible. Alexander freaking Ovechkin. So, Matt, I have one last milestone. Do you have any more? No, that's Because I did a deep dive for you right here. Sweet. So, the other night, Zabinijad has a five-goal game, which I thought you were going to mention. Yeah, I didn't mention it, but yeah, I know where you're going. So, he is only the second player ever to have, second player ever in NHL history, ready, to have four goals in regulation and then his fifth goal in OT. And the only other player to have done this is Sergei Fedorov. I knew it. In 96. Oh, yes. I actually heard that stat today. I was listening to a podcast and I didn't have time to write it down. But yes, I heard my boy Fedorov and that is my boy. I know it was. That's why I was like, there you go. Possibly 96. my favorite player ever to play the game of hockey. Ooh, that's 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 it. There's that's, no doubt. There's no doubt. It's <laughs> it's Fedorov, and uh, yeah, man, that's that's sec- some sec- second player ever to do that. Four goals. And then, Say that stat again for me. So he okay. Here we go. <laughs> Zabinajad is the second player in NHL history to score his fifth goal in overtime. So he had four regular in the first three periods and then his fifth was an OT and he's the only other player besides Sergei Fedorov to accomplish this on December 26th 1996 against the Washington Capitals I was three years old my boy so, oh that felt good thank you for mentioning you're welcome that. I did a deep dive on that one because I was like this is specifically for Matt and it'll bring a nice little Where little that? tear to his eye yeah end cap for me I appreciate that well speaking of end caps Daniel what games we got coming up all right, so a quick update. Um, right now, the Preds are leading 4-0, and Forsberg scored again. So that his, he's having a really good night. He has two goals and an assist already, and looks like Yossi has picked up two helpers as well. So all your key players are playing like they should right now. Now, as far as the schedule goes, uh, I think I've already been over this slightly, but Man, we got some important games coming up. So we have Toronto on Thursday. On Saturday, we face Columbus, followed by, this is another back-to-back, against the Wild on Sunday. That game's very important. Let's just, let's just throw that out there. So I know that one's going to be important. Um, at this point in time, we have Colorado on the Thursday. At this point in time, we'll have Colorado on Thursday the 19th, and then Philadelphia on the 21st, followed by another back-to-back with Chicago. At this point, we should be recording, and that will get us into the last two weeks of the season, a.k.a. basically playoff hockey, uh, pre-playoff hockey, because of how tight the standings are. And that means we got basically two weeks to get ready for we start going weekly. Yes. I have to say, I'm the getting best, pretty stoked. I'm getting excited. Yep. We'll be on that couch. Literally, we, we have a TV across the room, and we will be on it, posted up for tons of playoff hockey. It's time for flipping we get our brackets again boys last year was terrible we got it redemption it, this hey, year <laughs> hey if anything there's room for improvement this That's year because right. what was last it year, year before we did stats this year was no stats and we've still sucked <laughs> i'm going by jerseys this year oh yeah i mean <laughs> i think it was in 20 2017 the cup run i had 
literally the best bracket of my entire life. I was like 99th percentile. I have the screenshot on my phone where I was ranked literally in the like the top 100 or 200 people. And then we lost and then someone who had picked the Penguins won. Um, but that said, yeah, it's been downhill ever since that point. I'll, I'll never get that close to a perfect bracket. But guys, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. If you want to find the show, you can find us a couple different ways. First off, we have our own iTunes account, which is uh, at Music City Gold. That's actually our Twitter account, but our iTunes account is also called Music City Gold. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and I believe a couple other places off the top of my head I can't remember. But you can also find us on the Penalty Box Radio iTunes account as well, and also on the uh, PenaltyBoxRadio.com website. Until next time, we'll see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.